Hello, and thank you for listening to Renewables, a podcast by Biostar, which aims to explore the current and future energy landscape in America. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Renewables. We're super excited about this week's episode with Eli Sachs, the sales manager from Freepoint Energy Solutions. Eli, what's going on, man? Great to see you. How are things out east? Likewise, man. Good to good to hear from you too, David. Things are uh, as well as they can be these days with the uh, overarching macro situation everywhere. Sure. But um, no, happy to be here. Happy to be healthy. Good to see your face. Yeah, likewise. And uh, it's been a long time, obviously, with COVID since I've seen you. Normally, I would be out in Philly a lot more often. And so it's great to connect with you here. Um, and just so everyone has context, we're recording this the week of Thanksgiving, and uh, it looks like, you know, everybody's kind of hunkering down again, uh, a lot of COVID cases spiking. So we're going to get into that later and talk about how COVID's affect your business. Uh, you know, unfortunately, you just can't have a podcast episode without talking about COVID. But let's start with your background. Uh, first, you're a Terp, Maryland Terps in the house. Go Terps, baby. Yep. Yeah, born and raised in the D.C. area. Went to the esteemed University of Maryland for my undergraduate. Then I got a uh, got a degree in geography, which isn't too typically uh, useful these days. Um, from there, I worked for the Army Corps of Engineers making maps in Chicago for about a year. It was a very valuable lesson to me in what I did not want to do with my life. Um, learned, learned that quickly. Um, and then it's pretty topical here. I, I ended up going back to school and got an MBA, the sustainability energy focus from uh, Duquesne University out in Pittsburgh. So that was kind of my first foray into the kind of renewable, sustainable energy world. Um, I kind of look at that as the intersection of business and science, two of my, my main interests with energy markets and then kind of the, the uh, science behind it. So that's kind of my background from an educational standpoint. Yeah, very cool. And you've you've been in the energy business for a while now. So um, I want you to kind of start out with just who is Freepoint Solutions, Energy Solutions? What do you all do? Uh, but before you go too quickly into that, I thought it'd be really good. Um, a lot of our listeners are not as familiar necessarily with like the deregulated markets. I think we have a lot of listeners in the Midwest and the South. Um, so I, I want to talk just kind of 50,000 feet. How does power get from the plant to our door, right? And then where does Freepoint sit in the process? And let's use that kind of as a, the way to dive into the company a little bit further. Yeah, definitely. Um, good question. And then, you know, from the, you know, 50,000 foot, most simple view of it, you have the generators on one side, nuclear, gas, renewable, you know, what, what have you, regardless of the um, fuel type, um, from there it goes to the transmission. So these are um, regional organizations that are responsible for getting the energy from the producers to the distributors, essentially. So if you see these big um, kind of metal poles on a highway with long stretches of cable, that's the transmission line. So they're run by kind of regional players um, here is PJM, which is responsible for most of the mid-Atlantic states here in the deregulated area. 
Um, and from that transmission then goes to distribution. So these are the local utilities that, that kind of own and maintain the, the wood poles that bring power to your house. So these are the Picos where I live in, in Philadelphia, um, several others around the area, New Jersey, Maryland, uh, New York, everywhere. Um, and from there, it goes to, uh, you know, your doorstep. So the distribution is responsible for maintaining the poles and wires. Um, and then the wholesale power is what's flowing through those poles and wires. So that is where FreePoint sits. So we're kind of the intermediary between the, the wholesale power side of things and the, the retail. So the people that are consuming it. So um, while we don't do any residential ourselves, others do. And then we also really focus on that kind of commercial industrial space. So making sure that the, uh, the end users are, are buying power the most strategic way possible, if that's um, ideally to save money or to kind of match their risk appetite as an organization. Awesome. That's a perfect explanation. Uh, really appreciate that. And um, that's, that's super interesting. How long have you been with Freepoint? So about a year now. So I guess my, my background prior was, um, you know, I worked on the broker consultant side for a while. And then before that, I actually worked in a uh, scheduling or a renewable forecasting organization out of Spain as well. So kind of have oh. that comprehensive uh, overview of, of how it looks. And, and right now I'm on that supplier side, was on the broker side that really is more of a, uh, ears to the street, talking to the customers every day, the end users. So um, have a unique perspective when it comes, comes to that. Awesome. Yeah. And for our listeners, if you haven't listened to all of our episodes, the energy forecasting is a, a fascinating business. And uh, we had the CEO of Amperon, Sean Kelly, on our show a few weeks back. So go back into the archives and uh, check out the episode with Sean Kelly. And please make sure to follow uh, the Renewables podcast when you do that. Um, so Eli, regulated versus deregulated markets. I think this is another place where we could have a quick kind of educational, a lot of our listeners, this is going to be, you know, energy 101, but I think some folks may not have sort of that concept of, you know, what is a deregulated electricity market? Certainly being headquartered in Kansas city, uh, with KCPNL or now Evergy uh, here in the region, you know, they have the monopoly on buying power. Um, so tell us a little bit because Freepoint only can do business in deregulated markets. Is that, is that correct? That is correct. Freepoint so, solutions. Yeah. yeah. So talk a little bit about regulated markets versus deregulated markets and, um, you know, how that limits you, I guess, as a business. Yeah. I mean, essentially if it's a regulated market, we cannot operate there legally. Um, you know, from the dereg really took, took a hold you know, early turn of the century, 2000s. Um, Texas was one of the pioneer markets, California as well, um, that basically decoupled the transmission from the distribution from the consumption. So um, it used to be pretty vertically integrated and a monopoly um, that still the majority of the, the geography of the country operates under. Most of the load at this point is deregulated, um, be it the East Coast, California, and, and Texas as well. So um, that basically gives, and, and you know, it may be oversimplified and a little uh, marketing jargon, but gives the end user the power to choose. So like they can decide um, who's going to sell them their power, what they're going to pay for it, um, and then also the source of that power. And I think one of the things we're going to harp on is how renewables play into that piece and, and 
the uh, really burgeoning nature of the folks that are buying power. And, um, you know, in the past, you had to buy power from your utility, and um, that was whatever the power mix of that grid was. So um, historically, mostly coal around here, and now that's transitioning because the appetite for renewables is, is really growing. And I think you guys are attesting to that and can speak to that um, as well. So that's kind of a high level overview of where the DREG sits. And it's, it's again, power to choose, you know, term, appetite, risk profiles, all that good stuff. Sure, yeah. And, you know, just so our listeners kind of understand from our standpoint, the best opportunities when we're developing, you know, solar or really, any sort of renewable energy project is to be in a deregulated market. And so I can go and if I have a user who consumes, you know, 10 megawatts of power um, in Pennsylvania, I can go and and it's not always this simple, but can build them four or five, eight megawatts of power, sell it right to them. They could even in some cases resell it to their tenants. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of better opportunities for us in deregulated markets, whereas in a regulated market, uh, KCPNL Evergy, as an example, you know, we're limited as to how much you can net meter or, or how much energy you can put back on the grid. And so there's all sorts of rules around that, and that limits the size of system you can build. And really, uh, the, the funding mechanism, you know, you can't use a power purchase agreement, for example. I can't put a solar panel on my roof here in Overland Park. Uh, and sell the building power that's that's illegal because of the monopoly that the the utility has. And so in the renewable space, I think there's a really big push right now to educate people about this and educate people about you know choice of electricity. And so tell us a little bit more since you you went to renewables for I had a question, how long are your typical your customers' typical contracts? Uh, yeah, then, I mean, it depends on the, the area, but as short as a month to as long as 60 months or so. So we're going from, I mean, on average, we're looking at uh, 12 to 36 months, but can't go out as far as five years. And so you go and sign, let's say, a 24-month you know, contract with one of your customers, and, and they know what their cost of power is going to be for that 24 months. Yep, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the majority of stuff that we do is fixed price. Um, so that would yeah. be set prior to, you know, at, at signature, and then we go and go and hedge that power. Um, a couple nuances around this from a renewable perspective is um, a lot of the states, and I think it's probably close to, to 30 at this point, both in DREG and regulated territories, have their renewable portfolio standards. So these are, yeah. um, these are kind of initiatives by the state legislator to um, commit to having a certain portion of their power come from renewable resources. So that's another thing our pricing folks have to really take a meticulous uh, view on. And states like, say, uh, Maryland or D.C., um, sometimes even, you know, 10, 20 percent of your all-in fixed price is that cost of, of the renewable, so RPS. So um, mm. our pricing folks are constantly looking at regulatory changes because, um you know, those are price, those are costs that we incur while serving that customer, if that makes sense. So we have to make sure that we're projecting those accurately. Um, and those change pretty dynamically as well. So um, if and when those change, we have to be comfortable with our projections of the renewable portfolio standards that we are sure. passing through to the, the end user. Yeah, and that's so much legislation to keep 
your finger on the pulse of, right? I mean, it, it's more than a full-time job. And really in that kind of RPS, I, th I think we're still pretty early. Would you agree uh, with respect? There's, I don't know how many states exactly have renewable portfolio standards. You probably do. Um, but I, I know that, you know, well, I don't know, what is it? 10, 15 um, states, perhaps maybe even less. Yeah, I mean, I think it's closer to 25, 30, to some okay. extent, you know, some folks, especially in the Northeast are a lot more aggressive than um, others. But yeah, I mean, at least to some kind of published extent, there are. Sure. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So that's something I need to uh, look up. I should know that as the host of this podcast. Um, but so you mentioned renewables and like and the growing appetite for it. And so is that uh, that's really interesting to me. Are you seeing that, feeling that in your business? Is that something that your customers are sort of actively requesting and exploring? Yeah, yeah, it's funny. So we're getting that from both ends. So the RPS side from the kind of uh, legislative bodies, the the, uh, the you know the political powers that be, and then on the other side, the end customers. So um, you know, I would say at least a quarter of the the stuff that we look at. People are asking for RECs to be in, renewable energy credits to be included in their pricing. So, um, you know, we see that especially kind of larger, more public facing organizations. Um, you know, they're asking to see pricing with uh, RECs if it's greeny certified. There are different flavors of RECs, obviously, um, wind, whatever, what have you. There are a lot of folks are asking for for that to be included in their in their pricing. And obviously, that's um, money that goes to developing power. Uh, renewable power projects. So um, oftentimes, if you're looking at kind of a LEED certification or things like that, they a great way to get points for that is by buying RECs. So, um, you know, that's that's a great way for the end user to, um, you know, support renewable energy without throwing solar panels on their roof. Sure. And we've gone into this in other episodes, but if you don't mind, again, kind of an educational moment, um, Explain renewable energy credits uh, just kind of at a high level, and I'm, I'm happy to dive in as well and, and sort of how they vary state to state. Yeah, I mean, and, and obviously hop in. I'm not terribly well-versed in these, but essentially, you know, we charge a bit of a premium for our power, and that um, premium, say, uh, you know, one, two, three dollars a megawatt hour um, goes towards developing um, renewable energy sources and incentivizes for new development of, of these, if it's a kind of rebate program or tax break or something like that, um, they kind of, these funds are dedicated to, to that. Correct me if I'm wrong. Sure. Well, and so your, these renewable energy credits are your customers then retiring them? Yes. Yep. So what happens is if I go and build a solar project, say in Pennsylvania, um, and, uh, there's a, a renewable energy credit market in Pennsylvania. Pretty much any state that has an, a renewable portfolio standard um, has some sort of, most of them are SREC markets sort of attached with it, okay? And so I go and um, I build a solar plant and every kilowatt hour that I generate or um, you know, every segment of kilowatt hours that I generate creates a renewable energy credit. And that credit can be sold onto a marketplace. So this is where we see like in virtual PPAs um, or sometimes there isn't even a PPA associated with it. I think in, in the episode with Mike Niemer uh, for our listeners, we, we talked about bundled versus unbundled credits and sort of the difference there. Um, 
But basically corporations, if they don't have room for the solar or they don't wanna make that capital investment, they can go out to the free market and buy these renewable energy credits to offset their power consumption. So a lot of the big corporations that you see have already gone 100% renewable. They've done that mostly by going and buying these credits. Not to say that you know they haven't done their best to do on-site renewables, but for a lot of companies, for all of various reasons, it just doesn't make sense to build the power on-site, at least quite yet, or perhaps they don't have the real estate or the land for it. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the renewable energy credits and I'm glad we're able to elaborate on that because it's certainly a very important uh, part of our business. You know, when we're going out to develop solar projects in particular, um, New Jersey, for example, has a 15 year SREC, uh, State Renewable Energy Credit. And if I build a solar project in New Jersey and uh, I, I get my interconnection and connect my project to the grid, I have 15 year contracted revenue from that state renewable energy credit. So it makes uh, financing the project a lot easier because I have that built in revenue before I've even sold the power that we create via PPA, so. Yeah, um, and yeah, we even see that some of the times these recs, they can even be kind of more specific too. So a lot of municipalities or school districts or things like that, they'd be looking for something a little more local to them than kind of a general Rec. So we've seen, um, you know, Pennsylvania-based wind and things like that that sure. are a bit more, uh, you know, targeted to support uh, renewables in your backyard, essentially. Sure. So let's shift a little bit uh, to COVID. Ha has this been a, a challenge for you? I mean, of course, there's the, you know, it's a challenge for everybody, right? Uh, it's a weird time. We're not going out. We're not seeing friends and family as much. Um so, so I know it's, of course, probably been challenging in that way, but talk about how it's challenged your business and some of the obstacles that you've had to overcome in 2020, kind of in your first year with, with Freepoint. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as you said, just from a, a kind of sales perspective, not being able to grab lunch and, and meet face-to-face -face with a lot of folks is a big thing. But um, one thing impacting us as a retailer and the, the industry as a whole is because we are selling these um, fixed price contracts, say, um, let's use a hotel as an example. Um, you know, we are forecasting what they're going to be consuming, you know, 12, 24, 36 months into the future. So if sure. we were to, you know, contract a hotel last year, um, you know, no one saw this coming, obviously. And, and we presume business as usual when COVID happens and no one's traveling, um, the hotel's occupancy and, and, energy consumption tangentially kind of plummet. Um, so, you know, we forecasted them to use a whole lot more power than they actually did. So um, sure. leaving us on the hook with kind of that Delta, figuring out what to do with it in the market and trying to sell it back into the, the real-time power market um, has been a hurdle. And I think kind of the, the, uh, the, the term in the industry's uh, demand degradation is, is the kind of flowery word that we, we've chose to talk about it. So I think as a whole, um, you know, we're looking at probably 10% through our, our, our entire portfolio. Um, obviously like the hotels of the world or the, the restaurants are, are hit a lot harder than the manufacturers, but that's, that's the biggest thing that we see is that the forecasted loads that, that we purchase, um, you know, are, are being 
used a whole lot less than, than we anticipated. So sure. um, again, that's, that's, that's affecting everyone across the industry. So it's not unique to Freepoint, but that's something that um, going forward. And then, and then, you know, on top of that, now, you know, if we have to sign a contract today, we have to use our best judgment as, you know, how much longer are these restrictions going to be in place? How much longer is it going to be for the vaccine and, and kind of business approaches normalcy? So the, the pricing team and their forecasting ability is, is hugely uh, important in, in us making money in the long term. Absolutely. So explain a little bit, because I think this is really interesting, what happens in these contracts where, again, take the hotel, uh, you projected, obviously, that they were going to use more power than they did uh, this year. What happens to that excess power that they didn't use and, and who's on the hook for that? Yeah, I mean, we, we are on the hook for that. So say, you know, we bought 50% more power than they actually consumed um, because they signed that fixed price contract. You know, we're honoring that price one way or another, regardless of, of the power they use. So we have to sell that into the, the real-time market. So that assumes a lot of risk for us. Um, and, you know, we're pretty good and, and we have our curves that we price things on. So we, we generally have a good understanding of, of where prices are, but, um, you know, because we bought a lot more than we need to retire in essence, um, there's a lot more risk for that. And I think it's been tough for folks in the industry wide that, that are going through the same thing we are, but, um, sure. I think the, the folks that are coming out of the other side and, and um, keeping that in the back of their mind, they're going to be much better off from a business perspective going forward. Sure. Absolutely. Eli, this has been a great conversation. Um, tell our followers how they can find you online. I don't know if you're on Twitter or, um, or how they can find the company online. I want to make sure they check that out. Um, where do we find you on social and on the internet? Most LinkedIn's the best place to find me, both for me personally and Freepoint as well. So check us out on LinkedIn. Um, you know, should be a bit more active than I am, but uh, all good stuff. And, and, and I appreciate you having us on. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I hope you'll share this with your LinkedIn followers. If this is your first time listening, please give the podcast a follow. We have a, a ton of great episodes already in the bank and a lot of episodes coming at you throughout the end of the year. Uh, we're going to be off for basically Thanksgiving and Christmas, but uh, every Friday we release a new episode. Eli Sachs with uh, Sales Manager at Freepoint Solutions, Freepoint Energy Solutions, excuse me. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's great to catch up and we hope you'll come back. Definitely. Thanks, Dave. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Eli. Take care.